How you doing? It is another edition of the R&D Project. I am Will Rav, joined as always by the Dawes, Landon Tone. Landon, how you doing, buddy? Uh, not too bad. Coming to you live from the isolation station of love here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Socially distancing myself, even though it does seem like we are in the quote-unquote reopening phase one question mark. Hope for the best, expect the worst. But other than yeah. that, I'm great. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to that uh, in a moment. Uh, I, too, am and socially distanced in the uh, attic, the converted uh, attic, the loft, if you will. That's uh, where I have the uh, RAB broadcast center set up, not only for R&D activities, but for late night sportcast recording. So, Yeah, you get a paycheck for this stuff, so sometimes that requires going late into the evening. Yeah, like on the, the Thursday night of the NFL draft, I absolutely hate that the first round of the draft takes four and a half hours. Oh my God, ESPN, it took them 35 minutes to get to the Joe Burrow pick. The one pick we've known for months. I understand, ESPN, that you have airtime to fill, and everybody was really excited to have, you know, sports and stuff like that, not taking a slide at the WNBA draft like Adam Schefter inadvertently did draft night. But at the same time, Man, ESPN milked that thing for all it's worth, and they're still milking it because uh, I mentioned how you get a paycheck for uh, doing the sports thing. I get a paycheck for producing radio. That means I'm getting up at 5 in the morning, or getting to work, rather, at 5 in the morning, and I swear to Jesus, ever since the draft, ESPN has been re-showing the first and then the second and third round of the draft during the like like 2 to 5 a.m., time slot and if i have to watch those drafts rounds one more time i might snap put it on cnn (laughs) oh yeah then i can then i can watch the world burn down in real time exactly zoe or you know you could always go on netflix and take a visit to pawnee any pawnee indiana (laughs) unfortunately i'm not logged in uh to netflix at work nor can i you know uh Google cast it or whatever onto uh onto the TV at work either. So uh, I got you. So but yeah, we're we're doing good here. I'm apparently doing better than Steph Myers, who is filming his uh late night show in a wasp infested attic. Oh, that so. doesn't seem helpful for broadcasting purposes or you know, existing purposes. No. Period. <laughs> I, I am lucky because I, I say I'm in in an attic, but it's 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 been finished. It's like if you have a it's like the difference between having a finished basement and a dungeon. <laughs> so a slight difference is what you're saying. Slight difference. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. So things are are good. I assume in in your neck of the woods, still kind of the same as the last time we checked in. Socially distancing. Uh, really going out to to go to work and, and get food? Yeah, pretty much that, though it does seem here in East Tennessee and Knoxville, people are uh, chomping at the bit to 
get back out into society because apparently people really need haircuts or they miss going to Applebee's or something. And, you know, that equals oppression these days. But uh, me personally, I am still doing okay going to work and then going to get food and then going to my condo. Uh, I am still not going out, even though we are in phase one of reopening and we're doing that in phases in different counties. So, you know, that won't be confusing or anything. But uh, in in the in the time between our last episode and now, I actually had to uh, go to the emergency room due to a ocular migraine. Uh, so I am doing much better than I was previously during this uh, time period in between podcasts. I mean, don't get me wrong, ocular migraines suck, but you know, at least it isn't that other thing that uh, seems to be going around. Yeah, because you sent me a text message and you were driving to the clinic and you're like, dude, I think I got the Rona. And I was like, yeah, I hope yeah. not. Uh, so that also explains why it's been a minute uh, <laughs> since we've done a podcast because I didn't want to subject Landon to my bullshit while he has a migraine. And also, I, I, I physically could not look at a screen for five days. So that would make looking and then editing a podcast nigh impossible. I'm talented, not that talented. So the good news out of all this, though, is if you are subscribed to the R&D Project feed on uh, Apple Podcasts, Five Stars, or GTFO, yep, you get two shows this week. we got this R&D uh, project that you're listening to, and then uh, as soon as we wrap up this one, we're going to go ahead and record an episode of Near Fall Radio and uh, drop those in the, the next couple days so you can digest them at your leisure. Uh, so with that said, man, uh, I know we want to talk about, uh, you know, opening some stuff up. We do have a specific block carved out to talk about the last dance because we know everybody's watching that. Also, <laughs> interestingly enough, there might be a shakeup at ESPN radio, uh, here, uh, soon. And it's just amazing to me, like how uncreative suits are. Uh, so we'll get to that later in the show, but since you, you know, Pretty much uh, hold up at uh, Casa de Landon. Uh, what you been watching on the tube? Uh, well, you did make reference to it earlier, uh, going to visit my friends in Pawnee, Indiana. I like, it seems like a lot of people on my Facebook and Twitter feeds leading up to the very special Parks and Recreations return episode that aired as of this recording last night and is now available online for free. Uh, so check that out. Also, uh, if you do feel so inclined and you have the funds, donate to Feeding America as Parks and Recreations did return to help raise some money for all of our food banks around America. And I saw a little bit before we started recording, I saw that Parks and Recreation fans raised $2.8 million in about 16 hours for food banks around America. So great job, uh, fans of Parks and Recreations. We all are uh, Swansons, I guess, in this situation. In addition to that, I am still signed up for the DC Universe streaming service, so I am enjoying season two of their animated Harley Quinn show. It's a very, 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 very adult comedy. Uh, so if you're a fan of, say, the Venture Brothers and superheroes and stuff like that, I would check that out. It's well worth the... Uh, Seven-day free trial you get with DC Universe. And in my opinion, it's well worth the price of admission just for that alone. Um, watched a couple Disney uh, 
cartoons just because, you know, I need some pick-me-ups right now, and uh, that, that always feels good. Oh, and also, I'm watching the first three rounds of the NFL draft because that's all ESPN can show. How about you, Rab? That's all, e- that's all ESPN has. Uh, like you, uh, <laughs> last night I was so excited to tune into an actual live uh, television show. Um, I do that about twice a week because Shane and I like good girls on NBC on Sunday nights. Um, I like the cast. Yes, that's a that's a good show, but tuned in for Parks and Rec. I wasn't exactly sure what it was going to be because I was trying to explain it to Shana, but I didn't really know what it was myself, so I think I was just pulling stuff out of my ass. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be the first time. And so, uh, but... And I was like, oh, it's a new episode. And she's like, it's a new episode. I'm like, well, it's kind of a reunion, so maybe they're just hanging out. But I really liked what they came up with and that they were in character and enjoyed that. Uh, as we were talking about the last time, we're binging The Sopranos, which pretty much means uh, on Sunday we watch about three or four hours of The Sopranos and eat Italian food uh, <laughs> on Sunday afternoons. You eat with the gabagool. Few- yeah, a little bit of gabagool. The gabagool. And you eat some brushol. Um, so, but that feels appropriate because the Sopranos used to run on Sundays. So anyway, so I think um, that's cool. You guys like, like when you say you're binging it, you only have specific days in this case, Sunday, as opposed to like, all right, cool. Let's just sit down. And 18 hours later, we've blown through 15 episodes. Not so much, not so much that just as there's still other things that are on television that we like to watch. And so we'll still watch them because the Sopranos is going to be there. Um, so we just, uh, finished up the other day. We watched the last three episodes of the fifth season of Better Call Saul. Um, Shayna likes, uh, the Real Housewives reality shows and she lets me watch wrestling. So I watched the Real Housewives (laughs) with her and then I see the similarities between that and wrestling. And I'm like, okay, I'll watch these, these rich ladies yell at each other. So whatever. You're like, man, Francesca is working great heel tonight. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. I don't even know if there's a Francesca on the show, but I feel pretty solid throwing that name out there. I don't know if there's one on Orange County or Beverly Hills. That's the ones that she likes to watch, but there's like 8 million of those, so you're probably right. Ah, uh, um, see, you didn't specify where it was. I just assumed it was on the East Coast, you know, in the Jersey area. That's why I threw out a Francesca. Uh, if it's, I mean, it if it's the OC, um, let's go with the Kimberd line, not a Kimberly, a Kimber line. There's some weird names over there. <laughs> she was she was amused yesterday because she's been working at home, and sometimes she'll work in the office, and other times when it's you know just kind of checking emails and and doing stuff like that, she'll just come uh, back downstairs and while I'm watching TV or whatever. So one day she did that and watched part of the last dance with me yesterday. I don't want to say she watched, but she was in the room. Uh, the whole time that I watched Dynamite, and uh, it, I think she especially wanted to giggle when Britt Baker had her role model uh, vignette. <laughs> that and was she so go, good. She, go, she looks at me at one point, she goes, man, she's a real bitch. <laughs> and I go, yeah, that's the point. She's called a heel. Uh-huh. She's a heel. <laughs> oh, poor, to- poor Tony Schiavone. Oh, Skiavone gets it so bad from Britt Baker, and I feel bad for him, but at the same time, I can't help but laugh. I feel like Skiavone wrote the joke. It's Skiavone who's like, yeah, make fun of me for being fat. It'll get you over. It's good heat. Come on. Yeah, uh, 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 make another Starbucks joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a 
is a tough night for Tony because not only did they make fun of him, but his daughter uh, hit the boss man with a shoe, which is never good. So he's got yeah, a lot not to great. Brit about. Not great. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, as we've been doing, uh, we like the Food Network. Uh, so we'll watch stuff on the Food Network because there's 875 million episodes of Chopped. You know, because they make like four, they release like 450 a week, and so you got <laughs> that if you need it. And so you know, there you go. Uh, it, it's uh, a lot of the Sopranos finishing up. Uh, Better Call Saul and and random Food Network uh, competition shows and and bad reality television. So there you go. Uh, this weekend, uh, in I guess around chopping up some audio, I recently went through a box of some old DVDs and video mm. games of mine, and I found on Blu-ray the uh, Aliens set. And uh, more importantly, my copy on the Xbox 360 of NCAA Football 14, a.k.a. Mm. the last NCAA football game that has been made as of now. So I have a feeling once my uh, Xbox 360 controller I had to order off Amazon shows up tomorrow, I am going to be playing a whole lot of mcaa football yeah and the other thing well maybe haven't binged as much television as usual we talked about this the last podcast Uh, i kind of made it a goal of mine to use this quarantine time to get a couple of good habits going and one of them that i wanted to get going was to read books more because i like to read um and so uh, that's what i'll usually do in the afternoon instead of watching judge judy and being confused because, well, Jeopardy used to be on at 5 o'clock, and now it's it's on at, at 3 o'clock, and I can't keep up with what time it is, and the damn governor's talking anyway. So, <laughs> Yeah, up is down, black is white, Jeopardy's on before dinner. It's mass hysteria, folks. Hey, but I can guarantee you at 6.30 we're watching The Wheel. Cause oh, yeah, come hell or story. high water, The Wheel will be on at 6.30. The Wheel will suffice, and we'll just... Make fun of of uh, Vanna's grandma clothes that she was wearing last week. So death, anyway. taxes, and the wheel at six thirty. Those are the yep. only three things you can count on in life. Yeah, that's a, that really is all we can count on in, in life right now. But uh, it, we keep saying it's interesting times. It really is though, because who would have thought that the government admitting that there's UFOs. <laughs> Would register a 0.0 on the give a crap meter. No kidding. That happened. Like, that is so 2020 right now. The government said, yeah, UFOs, we can't explain them. They're right there, and there's a bunch of them. And that was out of the news cycle within 12 hours. That that was like, okay, yeah, it's a Wednesday. What else you got? That's, that's uh, even the crane. Even the crazy guy from the History Channel. We all know the gif. Aliens. <laughs> It's like, I told you, it's like, okay, well, what do you know about Corona, dude? You got any, you got any vaccines yet? (laughs) You got any of them N95 masks? Yeah, pretty much. So it's just, you know, here's the other cruel thing I was thinking of. Do you know what day of the week uh, Cinco de Mayo falls on this year? That would be a uh, Tuesday. So a Cinco de Mayo on Taco Tuesday. Oh my God! And, and, we, and we can't you know, go to Mexican you, might, you may or may not, depending on the uh, whims of your local taco proprietor, mm. uh, be able to get a taco. Which I'm all for. If you don't feel safe opening up your restaurant, don't do mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Uh, so that's a cruel joke. That Taco Tuesday on Cinco de Mayo, uh, and there's the Rona. So you might just be getting that uh, Grubhub delivery from the Taco Bell. 
Well, speaking of the Taco Bell, we talked about this in my day job, uh, the Phil Show, News Talk 98.7, WOKI, 6 to 10 a.m., News Talk 98.7. Uh, we mentioned that starting today, May 1st, um, Taco Bell is selling like family packs. So it feeds six people It's uh, or up to six, which, I mean, let's be honest, that sounds uh, like a very generous, uh, uh, I guess, guess by Taco that, Bell. That feeds me. Exactly. I was going to say, yeah, I called that lunch. It's like uh, 12 hard shell, eight soft shell, uh, 30 ounces of prepared meat. And it comes with cheese and sour cream, tomato, all the sauces you want for 30 bucks. Pretty decent. And they'll deliver it to you. So, hey, so yeah, that, that feet, you said what, eight hard shell, eight soft shell? I think it's 12 hard shell, eight soft. I wasn't exactly, uh, I didn't understand the, uh, divination of said shells, but uh, you get more of one than the other. Yeah, so that's enough for you and me to have a, a light lunch. Uh, <laughs> exactly. When, when the wife and I were dating in Knoxville, uh, we came uh, home one night and had gotten crystal because it was late and we needed to absorb alcohol. And you get crystal. And we were sitting there fixing to eat. And I'm going through the bag and I'm like, you know, dividing out crystals like you would shuffle cards. And she looks at me and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, we ordered eight crystals, right? And she goes, yeah. I said, those are my four. Here are your four. If I don't count all of those, I'm just going to start eating crystals because like I'm drunk right now. <laughs> and you're going to get like two crystals and be mad. So just go with it. So well, that, at least Drunk Rab knew what was up uh, to stop it before it started. Yeah, and we divide them up so I know how many I get, and I get to just, like, destroy those. Because <laughs> otherwise we're going to have a, a a bad time. So, yeah, I, I found it really interesting, uh, the um, adjustments businesses have made. I think we've talked about mm -hmm. this before, but I want... Not so much the working at home thing, because I do think there are going to be a lot of people who are either going to push to work from home or companies are going to do that. Like they'll still have a physical office, perhaps, but they're going to, you know, it's not have to have as, as big of a physical footprint if some people work from the home office uh, mm -hmm. a, occasionally. Uh, but I, I, I wonder, you know, some of the stuff that some of these restaurants have done, if they continue to do it and some of these restaurants that maybe haven't done takeout in the past or Taco Bell doing family packs like this or people doing maybe uh, going into delivery that haven't before. Uh, how much of that sticks? Because, I, look, I know it's it, it's not a replacement for having your restaurant open, but if I can eventually have my restaurant open at, at full or near capacity and then I've developed that niche that, hey, people like my delivery too, it's just that's just adding uh, dollar bills uh, to the bottom line. And, and ain't nobody going to argue with that No, because at the end of the day, a business is all about how much you're bringing in. And I do think it is interesting how business restaurants, uh, particularly how they've pivoted, because it's like in this situation, it's adapt or die. Like like the smart businesses are the ones that are figuring out 
how they can keep the lights on, so to speak, for one more day. And I do think uh, delivery specifically is going to be one of those things that sticks around. Here locally, for example, uh, the Copper Cellar family of restaurants, the Copper Cellar, Calhoun's, uh, Smoky Mountain Brewery, uh, that whole cluster of restaurants has announced that they are going to be doing a slow reopen during phase one. You know, obviously uh, taking care of social distancing, uh, sanitizing, all that good stuff. But in that statement, they also said they're going to continue doing their delivery service while this goes on. And they are a new entry, so to speak, in the world of delivery in West Knoxville. Because I'll be honest, before this started, I I ordered from restaurants that do delivery quite a bit because I'm a single dude. And a lot of time it's like, I don't want to make a meal just for yeah. me. And then I got to clean up after myself and all that good stuff. It's like, and especially Calhoun's, uh, the one closest to me, they deliver growlers of beer for $6. So mm, that is what's up, ladies and gentlemen. So I do hope and I do think that the delivery aspect that restaurants have added, I don't know if it's going to continue with everybody participating, but again, the smart ones are adapting. I think they will continue to offer their delivery. Yeah, it's probably a good number of places and i'm in a smaller area obviously than knoxville so sometimes your options are limited mm-hmm. uh, but there's a decent number of places you know obviously all the pizza places deliver you can get pizza delivered anywhere you can get pizza delivered on the moon um <laughs> there's a little uh greasy spoon meat and three diner Li- I, I literally could probably walk there and back in 10 minutes uh from the house and, and we'll get burgers or food from there but i, I do think there are more places that either didn't do delivery or I never realized, hey, they probably would uh, pack me up some stuff to take out if I would call them that we've exactly. explored because we've mm-hmm. been trying to support local small business. And that's nice. And I hope that continues because I might not always want to go out to eat, but I would love to pick up your food um, uh, when I can. Uh, if I'm watching a ball game or something, I don't have to settle for uh, fast food. Yeah, like I'm glad you mentioned the carryout aspect because even those that don't do delivery, I do think carryout is going to be one of those things that we saw developed or really uh, embraced more during this period. I do think that's going to be one of those things that is part of the new norm because even once we get to the point where restaurants are open as close as things could be before all of this started, when they're to that point, there's still going to be people, at least I think, they're going to be a little bit hesitant to go out back into restaurants. So I definitely think that carryout is going to be something that hangs around for a while. Yeah, and I just think that, that that's good for business, especially uh, in an area like we are where, where sometimes your, your options are limited. We don't have a lot of chain uh, restaurants in this area that aren't uh, fast food. Luckily, we have some good... Uh, local options, but to be able to uh, pick that up and, and carry it out is is really nice. So we've been kind of talking about it a little bit, but uh, Tennessee is one of those states. As of today, we're recording this on uh, uh, May first, uh, you know, because it's gonna be May. Um, <laughs> it's one of my wife's favorite things that she waits 365 days every year to say that, and I'm sure she's posted that that. <laughs> Give me, dude. Somewhere. I'm right there with her, and 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 it cracks me up. I posted uh, that is uh, the Phil Show's joke of the day on Facebook. Once again, uh, Phil Show News Talk nine eight seven. Search us on Facebook. Uh, last year, I posted that up. You know, May first. It's gonna be May, and 
I had so many people come in. It's like, he doesn't actually say it's going to be May. He says, it's going to be me. And it's like, oh, you people are thieves of joy. You're like the AT&T of people. It's like, why? Ugh. Sorry, sorry. That, that, that just hit a nerve for me. But please continue. But uh, Tennessee's one of those states that is beginning to try to restart uh, the economy and allow uh, businesses that have been closed or have been limited like restaurants to open while still trying to practice uh, social distancing. And, uh, you know, obviously this is, it's a, it's a tough situation to figure out what exactly the right thing to do is. And it is one of those times that even if I'm not so sure that I'm ready to go out um, and as one of your colleagues uh, down the hall at the, the animal, uh, Will West said, I'm not sure I'm ready for Rumspringa, uh, <laughs> but I, I think that's kind of what's going to be. I, I do think it's probably good that uh, we're letting the states kind of figure it out. It's bad because some of them probably need to be told, no, you need to be closed. Uh, but there are probably places, you know, Iowa, there's like 817 cows for every one person. <laughs> And a lot of corn. And so, you know, if you want to do stuff in Iowa, like, go ahead. And look, honestly, if you want to be dumb and go out and get yourself infected in Tennessee, it's a free country. I can't I can't stop you. And I feel for these businesses. You know, if you're a if you're a gym, you can't do delivery like you're the restaurant mm-hmm. right next to you. If you're a if you're a, a barber or a, a cosmetologist, you know, you, ha- you have to be able to be open to make money. And I've been telling people for two months to buy gift cards, but you can only sell so many gift cards and keep the lights on. I, I just hope, and I, I said it on the radio uh, this morning uh, when I was wrapping up my show, I just hope people use common sense. If you need to get out of the house, I totally understand it. I get stir crazy. And you know what I do? Uh, I go to the walking trail at the park and 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 go walk and go for a walk in the woods. But if your answer for stir crazy is to go uh, get some tacos, then you do you just like, please be smart, because the worst thing that can happen is we get like 10 days into this reopening and the cases surge. And then we got to start all over from the beginning. And it's like six or eight mm. weeks before we can even talk about it again. And I'm also worried that. We're going to see something where people are going to start to get relaxed on the stuff they need to be doing just because they feel they're getting some sense of normal back. They're going to slip back into those old habits they had before everybody was hyper vigilant about keeping six feet away from people, about washing your hands, about being cognizant of your surroundings. If somebody's coughing, maybe, you know, don't be around that person. But it's like, I'm also worried about that. And like you said, this could very like, like this could be a situation where people do get laxed and we do see another spike and we're back to square one. And it's like, if I I'm terrified to think of what the mindset is going to be like and what us as society is going to look like if we do have to go back to square one. And part of me has to ask, would would our would our elected officials would they say we need to go back to square one just because they see how people are reacting right now? You know, it's 
the you know Karens and Chads are being oppressed because they can't go down to the Home Depot or whatever. And I mean, like just as of yesterday, armed gunmen stormed the Capitol in Michigan, and they were you know quote quote unquote doing a peaceful protest about this. Like, wh- how what is their reaction going to be if they're told, guys, we we screwed the pooch, we got to go back to step one? Yeah, I don't think it's it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a a kind reaction, uh, but. Oh, I don't even know. I I don't want to have to get there because I don't want it to get so bad where we have to mandate that the federal government tells you to stay in your house. I, I like. I, I will say, because you know, if you want to know, really know my thoughts on all this, we have a podcast from a few episodes back. I don't want to trudge up uh, <laughs> old stuff and get off the rails. Uh, we haven't had, I think, on any level. I'll say this because it, it's judicious, and I also believe it. I don't think on any level we've been perfect, but like no response is perfect. Um, at the same time, I do think it has helped that to an extent the federal government has said, hey, you need to figure out what's going on in your state, but here are the guidelines because keep some of the crazy in line because, you know, they don't feel like they need to go be the tea party and 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 overthrow the government in America. Yeah, here. <laughs> I can't wait for the South Park Rona episodes. Oh my god! Like, it's either going to be really good or really bad because, like, those guys are some of the best satirists of our of your and my lifetime. But it's like here recently, it's like I don't know if it's just with the whole Trump reality where where the most insane headlines have become reality, and they're just like like we we can't come up with anything as crazy as reality. I don't know. Like, like I said, I think it's either going to be really good or really bad with no middle ground. I had to click on an onion headline to make sure I understood the <laughs> joke they were trying to make the other day. And for a second, I thought almost that the onion had just given up and started doing straight news. Uh, talking about, talking about, talking about protest and uh, the people were protesting to open up the economy, open up the economy so you can shut it back down so we can be mad about you shutting it down. <laughs> it was basically the onion article um so yeah hey speaking of i just, just pop, you talk about satire and and comedy shows i just thought of one more good thing to recommend people if you have the hulu or i guess if you have a cable provider that has the cnn they do some really good documentaries and if you are a fan of comedy the history of comedy i think it's like two seasons i think there's like 14 episodes mm-hmm. really Really good. Uh, I highly recommend that. We've been watching that too. That's been one of those things we'll binge. We'll watch a couple episodes uh, at a time. Really, really well done. And also CNN, um, I don't know when they actually aired it, if they censored it or not, but the on-demand version is is not censored. Hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of George Carlin and Richard Pryor on there. So there's dirty words on the TV. <laughs> I remember when it originally aired, I didn't watch any of it live because, you know, I got to go to bed crazy early for my day job. But I do remember seeing some clips and they would put like packages together on YouTube. And I was always very impressed because, I mean, CNN, like I'm not even I'm not going to get into them being hashtag fake news or whatever, like not even touching that. Like their production values are second to none. So like I, I'll, I'll echo what you said. Uh, good, good. 
good watch as well. And it is funny you talk about a documentary uh, that airs unedited and then edited because uh, you and I, we've also watched independently another yes. documentary that on one channel is censored and is TV 14. And then on the other channel is TV MA. And uh, one of the greatest athletes of all time is motherfucking everything. Yes. And when I recorded on the DVR on Hulu, I make specific sure specifically that it records and saves the ESPN one, because even though yep. from context, <laughs> I can figure out what they're beeping out. I want to hear Michael Jordan say the F word. Exactly. And and by the way, if you haven't figured it out, we're talking about ESPN's 10-part documentary series, yep. The Last Dance, uh, covering Michael Jordan's last season with the Chicago Bulls on their historic run. And I love on ESPN where the unedited version runs. It's literally, literally called Last Dance, colon, the Michael Jordan story, colon, mature content. <laughs> It's like, it's letting you know, yes, this is the one with the F word. <laughs> yes. And it is used. Aha, uh -huh, boy, is it. In astute observation, I forgot who pointed this out, so I apologize. I'm not co-opting it. I'm giving it the most credit I can. I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of talk radio, so it bleeds together. But <laughs> someone observed, I think it may have been one of your cohorts in the building, so at least we've narrowed it down. One of your morning cohorts uh, yeah, that at the could sports be station. So that makes it real easy. It's one of three people, Tyler Ivins, Eric Kane, or Will West. Uh, the the emptier Michael Jordan's glass of whatever Ooh, yeah. tasty alcohol. Do we know what Michael Jordan likes to drink? I'm assuming it's a scotch or a whiskey just looking at it, but I don't know the brand name. It's like, you know, Ron Swanson equals Lagavulin. and I don't know what the uh, Michael Jordan equivalent is here, but it's definitely some sort of delicious, delicious brown liquor, which, as we all know, according to Lionel Hutz, Best is the liquor. sweetest of the liquors. Yes. I, you know, I would not be surprised if Ron Swanson and uh, Michael Jordan had similar taste, and it might actually, who knows. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the, the lower that glass gets and before the producers have a chance to refill it, uh, the more motherfucks you hear. Man, like like it's it's so refreshing to have somebody of the of the iconic nature of Michael Jordan to be just that refreshingly honest because this isn't the first documentary that I've seen this isn't the first documentary you've seen that covers a big like star that transcends whatever makes them a star but it always feels like there's a, there's a sense of guarding themselves or guarding their image and that's just not there when it comes to Michael Jordan and The Last Dance. I remember before the first episode aired, he talked about how people are going to think I'm just a straight up asshole after they see this. And I'm like, OK, well, you know, I've heard some stories that, you know, Michael Jordan could be kind of a rough teammate. And he really told you how he felt. But after watching these four episodes, it's like, yeah, OK, I can see why why you came out and kind of softened the blow, so to speak. It's like, FYI, I'm going to say some things that some people aren't going to like. And it's like, I think that's incredibly refreshing because Michael Jordan, especially Michael Jordan, could just be like, I'm going to like like I'm going to give you the uh, the Hollywood glorified version instead of the actual real life. This is how it fucking went down version. And you know what? You're right. Michael Jordan is an asshole. But I actually kind of respect him more because you understand 
why he kind of was the way he was mm-hmm. in in a lot of regards. I, I don't know. Maybe he was a little bit. He was very he was very hard on Jerry Krause, but you know Jerry Krause. But at the same ass. time, like like yeah yeah he was he he, he kind of kind of was you kind of don't feel bad for Jerry Krause, but you're like that's not exactly gonna like you know it's not like the same as telling Dennis Rodman to get out of Carmen Electra's bed. We got a game in a couple hours. <laughs> get your ass out of bed. We're going to practice. Oh, and speaking of Jerry Krause, I think it's hilarious. It seemed like everybody put two and two together as episode one aired. It's like. Oh shit! The bad or the uh, the big bad boss from uh, Space Jams was totally based on on Kraus. Like like even down to his body, like kind of a short, fat, impish looking dude. Okay, so let's get let's get into that, right? Let's uh, let's get into that, uh, and, and maybe as we see more episodes, because we're up to date. We we've both seen all all four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, seen all four. I can't watch them live because, again, I get up in the middle of the night to go to work, but I do watch them the following Monday. Yeah, I just kind of watch them when I, I just record stuff, even though, hey, I might want to watch it. I, I'll record stuff to have on the DVR and go back and, and watch it at my own leisure because it's better than watching Judge Judy in the afternoon. <laughs> Man, that's the second time you've slammed Judge Judy. What did she do to you? Nothing. I just, it's <laughs> not. One of the things that you realize when you work odd hours or you, you work in limited hours or whatever it is where you have time in the afternoon to consume television, it's all crap. Yeah, daytime TV sucks. As somebody who gets home at like 1230 in the afternoon, Monday through Friday, there ain't crap on during the day. Nope. So, yeah, as I just, yeah I've, I've seen it, but I'm like, it's kind of on my own time because, you know, why not? There's, you don't have to rush just because everybody else is watching it on Sunday night. I, I keep watching on my own time and enjoy it. But on the flip side, I will say, I feel like you and I are kind of missing out on a certain aspect of it, because especially right now where we're, you know, 50 plus days without sports and it seems like uh, uh, benchmark television has kind of gone away. I kind of feel like you and I are missing out on some of the like here and now uh, experiencing it live with everybody else and especially on Twitter with that virtual water cooler type mentality. but. Other people are stupid, and I don't really care for their takes. <laughs> so that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all. Because well, there's that. Yeah, other people are stupid. Uh, <laughs> but we invite them to download our podcast and, and rate yes. and review it in the iTunes Store. Remember, your five stars take is, or GTFO is bad. But where do you fall? Okay, so whose fault is it that the Bulls broke up? Because spoiler alert: the Bulls broke up. White Rab, I haven't got to the end yet. Jeez. Because there are some who will blame, there are a lot who will blame Jerry Krause. And I do think that even if, it, it, it's either one of two things. It was Jerry Krause's idea and it was a bad idea. Or, and I, this is probably more likely, uh, management said, hey Jerry, we need to figure out a plan because the team is getting old. And rather than just kind of keeping his finger on the pulse of things and saying, okay, well as soon as, you know, like, when we go from sweeping teams in the finals to losing in the first round, then we've kind of worn out Michael Jordan. Jerry Krause just kind of decided, okay, I'm breaking it up now because that's kind of what I've been told to do. And he was just kind of pigheaded about it. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I definitely feel like there is some truth that uh, – 
Kraus uh, is getting a lot of the brunt where maybe he was just doing uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner's uh, bidding. But at the same time, I kind of feel like when when you have a once-in-a-lifetime star like Michael Jordan, I kind of like would be of the mindset, let's just keep running it back until it doesn't work or until yeah, they decide we don't want to do this. Because, I mean, from episode one, the like from the outset, we were told Krause said that this is Phil Jackson's last year, period, straight up, full stop. And then Michael Jordan came out during that same time and said, if Phil ain't back, I'm not coming back. So I do feel like Krause definitely put a ultimatum so to speak or put an expiration date on this dynasty where me like I said I would just keep rolling the damn ball back out on the floor be like okay this team's getting old I still got number 23 and if number 23 wants it enough we're I I feel like our chances are going to be good yeah and the question that we may never have the answer to but and again part of the problem is I think the way Jerry Krause went about it is the Bulls I want to say they wanted to skip the rebuild, but they kind of wanted to go ahead and say, okay, we'll chop it off a little bit early because we'll get back faster. And I just don't yeah. think it works like that. And I I kind of under, I can kind of understand the owner saying, "Hey, I don't want to I don't want to pay all these dudes cuz MJ's expensive and then Scotty's going to be expensive and the other pieces even though they're role Roll pieces are going to be expensive. Mm-hmm. But but speaking on Scottie Pippen, to be fair, they were totally underpaying Scottie yes. his yes, worth. Yes, they were. But at the same time, the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, said, Scotty, if I was you, I wouldn't sign this contract. But Scotty did. But at the same time, Scottie Pippen was making like 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 peanuts compared to like what Luke Longley. Luke Longley made more money than Scottie Pippen. No slide on Luke Longley. I'm just using him as an example. Right, but- so the, look, the owner the owner was cheap. And you can pay people as much money as you want to pay them in the NBA, but there's this thing called the luxury tax. <laughs> and I guess they didn't want to pay. But at, at the same time, you don't break up the Beatles. Yeah. You, you don't Yoko the, Beatle, the Beatles. Like, if all of a sudden one day John Lennon wakes up and he has no musical talent, that's the day you break up the Beatles. It's the same, th- it's the same thing with the Bulls. It's the same thing. You know, in, in hindsight, it's what's stupid about the the Brady Belichick Patriot years ending is all that was Bill being arrogant and wanting to move on to another quarterback. You don't say no to the greatest quarter the second greatest quarterback of all time. Peyton Manning, from a pure quarterback perspective, is better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady has accomplished more. Uh but you, you don't say no to that. That'd just be like the Saints saying, I don't care if we win the Super Bowl. Drew Brees is not going to be our quarterback in 2021. <laughs> exactly. Drew Brees is the We're- Saints quarterback <laughs> until he says otherwise. That's that's a great analogy, that right there. Like, th- like th- they're not going to go to Drew Brees and be like, Drew, we're shutting it down. Taysom Hill, you're the man now. It's a, it, but like, Don't get me wrong, Taysom Hill is fine in, in the role he is. But you don't pivot to be like, all right, Taysom, you're the man under center for all the snaps. Because, I mean, like, like Drew Brees is great, but at the same time, he ain't Michael Jordan. And the analogy of you don't break up the Beatles. Boom, that right there. Full stop. You know Jerry Krause walked into the studio and looked at the Beatles and said, you're done after this song is over. Yeah, and you you just don't do that. Because what it really would be is uh, the ownership of the Saints walking in knowing full well, hey, what we're really trying to do is make Drew quick because we don't want to pay him. 
And I think that, I honestly think that was Jerry Krause's way of shoving Michael Jordan out the door without having to be the guy who shoved Michael Jordan out the door. Because the real hook, the real hook was they didn't want to give Michael Jordan another max contract. Because you got to give Scotty probably a max contract and pay Rodman whatever the hell he wants. And so he dev- he devised a plan. It was a stupid plan. But what I tell you earlier about five minutes ago, people are stupid. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, he tried to do this. Yet here we are in 2020. And we're talking about how Jerry Krause blew up the Michael Jordan yes. Bulls. So if he set out to do that, By he firing the coach team. before the season started. Yeah. So dumb. I, overall, uh, your thoughts on the, the I guess the best way, quality uh, of uh, the last dance documentary, documentaries, because I've really enjoyed them. There are some people who don't like how the timeline moves around, but I guess myself understanding how you would structure if I had 10 episodes and I'm going to talk about certain things, I'm not just going to start and go chronologically because that's really actually a kind of boring way to do it. I kind of understand and being topical from episode to episode, not necessarily chronological from episode to episode. I mean, I understand why people who might have issues with the way it jumps backwards and forwards in time could have issues with that. Like, like when, when it first happened, I kind of had to be like, oh, okay, this is what they're doing. But I do think you do make a good point when you say if they do go chronologically, it's like, okay, we're going to have like the Michael Jordan babies. Then we're going to have the Michael Jordan high schoolers then the college, then we're going to like, like that would have been a, a boring story as opposed to like giving you a taste of what's coming and then taking you all the way back. And you can see the pieces that get laid to make that puzzle that we looked at or, or to make that whole picture that we looked at earlier. Like I personally like it. And I think these are very well put together documentaries from a production standpoint, from the way the, uh, they edit uh, all of the sounds, the, the musical cues as well. You, but you have to remember, this is the team that brought you the Andre the Giant documentary on HBO. And if you remember, that was a very well put together documentary. So I'm not surprised that it is of a high quality when it comes to production. But at the same time, it's like, I've loved the four episodes that we've gotten so far. And it's something I look forward to when I get off work on a Monday, when I do come home and I can watch it on my own, on my own time, because I'm very interested to see these stories told, even though I lived through these and I remember how they play out now, maybe not in the, well, clearly not in the detail that the, uh, or that the producers have put into this and, and, the depth of the memories that they're going after. But it's like, I lived through the Michael Jordan bulls and stuff like that. I remember watching the finals and, and just being sucked in and blown away. Even at a young age, it's like, God, this guy can do literally anything he wants. But at the same time, it's something I look forward to every week and I'm excited to see what comes next. And like, I am going to be a little bit bummed out when it's over, but as much as I am enjoying this part of me wonders would we as a society be as enthralled with the last dance if we didn't have the background of what's going on in the real world where we're all kind of locked into our homes and we are using these big pop culture events to kind of 
come together. And I already used the analogy of that virtual water cooler uh, that we are. And it's like, I'll, I'll say this, like we've already had two of these phenomenons during the lockdown. The first was Tiger King. The second is the last dance. I like this one way, way more than I like Tiger King. I think Tiger King would have been something that a lot of people would have watched on Netflix because people probably would have said, Hey, you know, it's the same as everything else that comes out. Like we eventually talk about it. Now would we have all had that sort of communal in the same time period and the Tiger King fever Probably not. And I will, to a lesser extent, I think The Last Dance still would have been very, very popular. Because if it would have come out in the time frame that ESPN played, because it would have been in the summer. Mm-hmm. So you're talking like June, July-ish, right? Yeah. And the NBA Finals would have just finished, and it, they would have promoted the crap out of this on the NBA Finals. And that would have been the era, or that the area of the sports calendar where we start to get starved for content, because like you said, the NBA Finals would have just been over, uh, so we would have had, what, Major League Baseball, which would be and heading NASCAR. in... NASCAR. In NASCAR, yeah. And, so, and Major League Baseball would kind of be heading into the All-Star break uh, towards the, uh, I guess, middle part of the original airing of the documentary because originally they were going to do just one episode a week. Correct. I don't know all the logistics of that. Uh, but at whatever time they would have put it, I think it still would have attracted, uh, an audience, um, because of that time of the sports year where it's slower and ESPN would have positioned that well and promoted it. And people would still be interested in it. I would still be interested in it. I knew of the Michael Jordan Bulls. I knew of the uh, Dream Team Olympic basketball team in that mm-hmm. time frame. But you got to remember, in, in 98, I was born August of 88. So I was 9, 10 years old. That doesn't mean I didn't watch sports and, and already still have a love of sports. But not as all in as you are when you are a teenager or you are older and you can remember things more vividly. So I don't really know. Like, I know they were really good, right? I didn't know. I wasn't watching the 91 NBA Finals or the 93 NBA Finals. I can't tell you remembering watching a game even from the 98 Finals because, again, I was a kid. <laughs> I was 8, 9, 10 years old. Like, that's not – Will wasn't there yet. He liked sports, but he wasn't there yet in terms of that's what he was – tuning in to watch that was still in the formative stages and you know that really takes a hold of you you remember more stuff from your teenage years than you do uh the first say 10 years of your life so for me this is awesome because i don't it's like i say all the time on the on the day job you know the facts of this, you know what happened but you don't know the story like i know the bulls in the 90s were really good and won six NBA, nba championships i know the facts I know the box score. I don't know the story. And there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And especially when the story is told to you so well with the way that The Last Dance has been. It's like, I can understand why it's gripped so people as well as it has. And I guess I need to clarify, for, for the 98 season, I was 13. So, like, I, I do remember watching, you know, uh, the playoffs and, and, you know, stuff like that, staying in. But at the same time, like, I... I don't remember it, you know, shot for shot, but I do remember back then. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we were a sports household. We, we More football. My parents have always been more football people. 
than just general sports people. I'm the one who was like all in on all sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was probably a difference. And let's be honest, in like the summer of 98, when I was a kid and I was 10 years old, I was probably having more fun running around doing whatever you know kids do when they're 10 years old. I do remember, I don't even remember what finals it was, if it was in 97 or 98. I do remember distinctively one time my grandpa visiting them down in Louisiana and he had an NBA finals game on and I just wasn't enough of a sports fan to know why that was a big deal yet. Um, so kind of not being interested. I can't believe I'm saying this now, not being interested in watching an NBA finals game, but I was a kid, so I didn't know better yet. (laughs) I get that. But it's like at the same time, I also remember I was the kid growing up. Like I remember where I was when Kevin Garnett was drafted, because for whatever reason, I decided I wanted to have a one man, 10 year old watch party for the 1995 NBA draft live on TNT, baby. (laughs) I I don't know. It's just, I've never been the biggest NBA person. I like basketball. I tend to drift more towards the college game. And then I also like hockey probably better than I like NBA basketball. And I'd actually rather watch a baseball game than an NBA basketball game. But that's just me. Yeah. Uh, but I enjoy this documentary. I love Anytime you tell me a good story, I really enjoy it. The other thing, two things real quick. Number one, anybody who just raves about the bad boy Pistons, uh, a.k.a. your colleague Will West, who just like 90s basketball better. He also <laughs> likes open ice checking and hockey, so basically he watches hockey for the CTE. Um, <laughs> Damn. Yeah, sorry, Will, you're wrong there. Like, I get it. Like, we probably swung too far the other way now where all every, you're not a value of anybody, even the big men in the NBA shoot a lot of threes. We probably went way too far with freedom of movement, but... There was a middle ground to be found because, like, the way the Pistons played basketball in the late 80s was stupid, and it's not basketball. Yeah, they were just beating the shit out of people. Yeah. Like, dude, if I want to do that, I will go to the, the, I'll go watch a wrestling show or I'll watch hockey. And even like hockey's better because they've taken, not taken some of the physicality out out of it. But, like, gotten some of the gooniness out of it. And mm-hmm. I feel like the NBA probably swung too far because NBA ball should kind of look like college basketball where there's a level of physicality, but you're not impeding the players from playing basketball. Like, I, unless you were a Detroit Pistons fan, I don't understand how any of that could have been fun to watch because, like, I want to watch Michael Jordan play basketball, not get tackled. Yeah, you don't want to see the best player in the world have to continually pick himself up play after play after play after play because I mean John Sally admitted it in the documentary the Detroit Pistons were of the mindset if Michael Jordan gets to the air we can't beat him so we have to literally beat him before he can take flight and it's just like like yeah I'm with you like the the bad boy Detroit Pistons and especially Isaiah Thomas I think if there are any losers other than Jerry Krause from the last dance it has to be the Detroit Pistons and particularly Isaiah Thomas with the way he's like 
yeah, I guess if I knew I was going to be killed for three decades, I would have shook his hand uh, when uh, when they beat us. And then the excuse they gave was just such massive horse shit. And then you watch the video of Isaiah literally walk by the bench. He ducks his head to not make eye contact with any of the Bulls players. They knew yeah. what they were doing then was yeah. wrong. And the fact that they're like, yeah, we're sorry, only because people killed us uh, for decades. It's like, I can't believe I'm saying this. Good on Bill Lambeer for being be like, yeah, nobody liked us and I don't give a shit. Like, it, 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 at least you're owning it, unlike Isaiah, yep. who's trying to have the best of both worlds. In, in that moment where they tried it, because the producer tries to pull out the phone and show Michael Jordan, oh, he's like, yeah, I don't give a God. shit what he says. He's full of shit. That was so fun. That moment and then actually learning what Michael Jordan was saying when he jumps up in the air after he hit the shot against Elo, and you find out that it's not celebration. He's telling all the sports writers, he's calling all the sports writers motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. God, like, see, that just uh, makes so me like Michael Jordan so much more because there's like, I'm not, I have no athletic ability once whatsoever, <laughs> but anytime I get the chance to rub stuff in people's face. I'm going to take my victory lap. And I love that Michael Jordan took victory laps. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and another thing I like about him, but we kind of already knew this dude can hold a grudge like nobody's business. Yes. And, and I, that's, that's part of what drove, drove him to the greatness that he is. And it's like, I said earlier, it's like Michael Jordan said, people are going to think I'm an asshole after they see this. And it's like, I do think one of those asshole moments was when he was talking about how it was selfish of Scottie Pippen uh, to get the surgery during the year. And it's like, Oh, we weren't cool with that. The next shot, Steve Kerr is like, I don't know what Mike's talking about. Everybody understood what Scotty was going through. For every one of those moments, you have two of those moments, like discovering what he said after he hit that shot in Cleveland and stuff like that. So, yeah, I I love this documentary series. Yeah, and I got to applaud Michael for being Michael. And, like, I, I can respect that sometimes to be that fierce competitor. It's why I have – I don't like – Nick Saban, I don't like Bill Belichick. I respect them, and I kind of understand why they come off looking like assholes. Is they're just such a fierce competitor, they don't have time for like petty bullcrap. Mm -hmm. So uh, I respect that about Michael Jordan too. The last thing I'll say on this, uh, and I touched on it a little bit on on, on uh, the show this week, Michael and LeBron are more similar than I ever realize because like I remember LeBron your seminal one of your seminal moments was Kevin Garnett in the 95 draft at your one-man watch party <laughs> 10 year old my, Landon thought that was off the chain we had we had Sprite and Slim Jims it was awesome yeah you like you know sometimes we get together and communally watch TV and then other times I would you know I had a TV in my room so I'd just be flipping around and whatever was on uh, ESPN or the Deuce or I'd have a Braves game on or I was flipping around one time, and ESPN was showing a high school basketball game. And I've told this story before uh, on different mediums. And I'm like, why is ESPN televising high school basketball? Not that I have anything against high school basketball. I make a lot of my living covering <laughs> high school sports. I was going to say, was careful like, there, dude. <laughs> why ESPN showing one random high school basketball game? Why? And then I was like, oh, that LeBron kid's the truth. Okay, I understand now. And so I've literally followed LeBron from, okay, he's playing a basketball game in high school on ESPN and Jay Billis is drooling all over him to uh, he just went to the Lakers. But 
Seriously, dude, their careers are so similar. MJ, Young, Phenom, everybody knew he was really, really good. Everybody knew MJ was good because Carolina won a national championship. Everybody knew LeBron was good because apparently they were watching high school basketball. Um, clearly being the best player in the game, but still having to get over that hump. For you know MJ, it was the bad boy Pistons, and it was a little bit of the end of the 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 bird Celtics and, and that learning curve and going to a bad team and having to elevate them to being a good team, finally getting over the hump. Look, like clearly, clearly Le- MJ just kind of like Brady accumulated more rings than Peyton, but they're both really, really good and there's really no right answer to who's better. Um, MJ accomplished more. But they're it's like to me it's really crazy the the parallels that they went through of coming in being really good getting over the hump being the best MJ accomplished a lot because probably basketball wasn't as competitive in the nineties, uh, but you know Le- LeBron has has several rings and everybody knows he's really really good that j- that stood out to me and it just kind of made the whole. MJ LeBron who's better debate just seems so dumb because they're just <laughs> so similar and some of the the things that people say oh well MJ would have MJ carried his team no he had Scottie Pippen mm-hmm. and Horace Grant and Dennis Rodman and Steve Kerr and Bill Paxton Luke Longley don't forget Luke don't forget Luke Longley and all these guys uh and oh MJ he just you know he won 6 Finals, yeah, but he also it took him he he how many years into his career because he was drafted in eighty six or eighty seven. I think it was eighty six. Was it a five or six years into his career? And they were saying the same things about MJ. Oh well, he can score, but he'll never be a champion. Remember we were all saying about that about LeBron. We were hating on LeBron before he finally won his first ring. Mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting, especially when you lay it out there because it does seem like we're going to have that perpetual MJ versus LeBron argument until the end of time. There really are some similarities, striking uh, similarities between their careers about how they both were these young phenoms coming on the scene and particularly how they had uh, giants to slay before they could get over that hump. And ironically, Detroit, uh, the Detroit Pistons were there for both of these uh, two iconic players on their ascension up, and they were a dragon that they both kind of had to slay. Not so much Detroit in LeBron's case, but you do have to remember he did kind of have to deal with that Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, uh, Detroit uh, Pistons team. Uh, yeah, that, and he had to deal with the big three Celtics as well. Mm-hmm. I, Wow, okay, both uh, both MJ and LeBron had to go through Detroit and Boston. And K- LeBron also crazy. has the, the misfortune of playing in the same era that arguably the greatest basketball team of all time, or one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. Like, once MJ and all got over the hump, of the Pistons, they were clearly the best team in basketball, and nobody mm-hmm. could match them. It was just a matter of okay, this is the next guy on the docket in the bracket. Uh, LeBron, that wasn't always that wasn't always true. Uh, you know, he was a part of some really good teams, but he went to what like six straight finals, and like four or five of them were against the the Warriors, 
and they were the better team. Not to mention and, the one in uh, Miami where uh, where Dallas ended up beating them. Don't forget yeah, that. So, I, I I think some of the the, the and my whole thing is I don't care who you think's better because it doesn't matter and it's probably generational. <laughs> Older people say MJ. The new crowd says LeBron. It's just kind of like Aaron Rodgers from like a technical standpoint. Like execution, pure physical talent standpoint, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. But he's not on that same level as uh, Brady and Manning because clearly he hasn't accomplished as much. And uh, apparently, is kind of a doucher too. So yeah, and <laughs> I think prop. I don't know. It's hard to argue, but LeBron's clearly a very just like badass physical specimen. MJ probably give him a run for his money, and honestly, if you have to probably have a tiebreaker, even though I think the whole rings debate is kind of stupid, MJ probably accomplished more. They're probably equal talent-wise. But that's just my opinion, and it's a, it's, it's, it, it, the reason this always comes up, it's an evergreen sports topic. Here's a trick. Behind the velvet rope for a minute, the best debate topics are ones where there's no right answer. Like from a radio television show perspective the best one is where there's no right answer because you can have people who can passionately bar argue both sides when when things are clear-cut that doesn't that's not as good for that style of broadcasting like hell you talk about how it's good to have people that can argue both sides passionately i think i myself could argue both sides passionately because as you're going through these things in my head it's like well, I don't know if, if, if MJ is, is better pure talent, but at the same time, like if, if somebody wants a basket, nobody's going to get it more than MJ. But on the flip side, LeBron James is just a, fr a freak nature who also has amazing. It's, it's, it's like both sides are right in this situation. Mm -hmm. And I understand in our society, you have to have a clear winner and a clear loser and everything it seems, but it's like, honestly, let's just enjoy both of them because it's like, I don't want to be morbid or anything, but we just saw what the basketball world went through when they lost a talent like Kobe Bryant. Like it made you realize just damn how special and talented he was. It's like, let's be fortunate that we can still appreciate both Jordan for what he did um, previously. And we're currently reliving with, uh, with the last dance. And let's be fortunate. We can enjoy what LeBron's doing because it seems like he's only getting better and better, especially going to Los Angeles. It really felt like a fire was lit underneath him. So it's like, enjoy it. And, and Rab's right. Wh whichever side of the argument you come down on, you're right. But at the same time, you're wrong. But it doesn't matter because they're both amazing at the end of the day. And, and Wait, that's no, the, the tiebreaker is that MJ was in Space Jams. Wait, no crap. LeBron is going to be in Space Jams too. So there goes that tiebreaker. <laughs> we try to boil down the argument to LeBron and MJ. What? What if the what if the real debate is who's better, Le MJ or Kobe? Because mm. could be Co it could be Kobe Bryant, it could be Magic Johnson, it could be Wilt Chamberlain. See, I, I I think Kobe versus MJ could be a more interesting argument because you talked about how LeBron and MJ had some parallels. I think MJ and Kobe were cut from the same cloth because like like. Uh, according to Shaquille O'Neal, uh, when he told Kobe, there is uh, there is no uh, 
what is it, uh, I and team. Uh, but he's like, yeah, well, there's a me and motherfucker, just like Michael <laughs> Jordan is like, Michael, there, there's no I and team. Yeah, but there's a me and team. <laughs> like, those two cats are cut from the same damn there's cloth. I and win. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you he, go. Isn't that what he told Tech Shram? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, I, I realized as I was going through it, it's like, I don't, I, I'm not going to stick the landing on this. But that's never stopped uh, you, me before. You, you're, the, point, the point was made. Thank uh, you. But, but with all that said, uh, Daz, uh, my friend, uh, our, our time is short. So uh, let's uh, put a, a wrap here on this edition of the uh, R and uh, D uh, project again. Remind folks uh, where they can uh, follow along with what you got going on over there uh, at the old day job. Uh, you can find me six to ten a.m. Monday through Friday on News Talk ninety eight seven WOKI radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is where we have the Phil Show. Uh, we like to laugh, uh, bring you news. Uh, if you're local, we bring you traffic as well. So in theory, for drive time, we can help you get to your day job. Outside of that, I appear on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. That is a podcast talking about all the happenings down at the Walt Disney World Resort and all of the hotels and theme parks. Uh, though it is interesting, speaking of, it seems like uh, uh, there's been some rumblings that the NBA season is going to continue on the Walt Disney World Resort property. So I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. Um, I also appear on... Uh, near fall radio which if you're subscribed to this podcast you're aware of um and uh yeah i guess that's it <laughs> there you go check out the dozzy and follow him on twitter at l-a-n-d-o-z and yeah. he'll have links and all that <laughs> stuff if he's on a uh, a show or, or does a podcast or something he'll uh share it with you including our sister podcast near fall radio which we are uh a la the old school WWF Super Show where they would tape Raw and SmackDown on a Sunday afternoon uh, for that week for whatever reason. We got an R&D Super Show going, so uh, stay tuned. Maybe you just want to go from one to the other, but uh, uh, we got a, an episode of Near Fall Radio coming uh, your way uh, this week as well since we kind of had an extended uh, uh, hiatus with everything that's going on in the world uh, there. So... Uh, follow me. Uh, I am the, uh, does it sound like it? Or you're probably saying, I'm not sure this guy's qualified for this. Uh, but I, I, I am the sports director, <laughs> WCDT radio in Winchester, Tennessee, have my program off the bench weekdays, uh, from 11 to noon, uh, talking, uh, nowadays, everything going on, uh, in the world of sports, which as late has been a lot of vol football recruiting cause they're kicking ass and taking, Oh games. my God, they're winning recruiting. I love it. <laughs> yes, they're winning recruiting in May. Uh, somehow Tennessee's going to screw this up. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, it's it's definitely the time of the year where you want to win recruiting. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Rab, R-A-B-B-W-I-L-L. That is my name backwards because I couldn't think of anything else creative to have for a username. Uh, also, follow the station at WCDT Radio on Facebook and Twitter, and you can subscribe to the WC, WCDT Radio podcast feed to be able to listen to Off the Bench and other programming on demand. Uh, and as we wrap up this episode of near fall radio or not near fall radio, the R and D project. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Cause I have another prog podcast to record uh, in a moment. Uh, Dawes, I think I speak for both of us when we just say, Hey folks, be safe. 
Use judgment. If you want to go out, go out, but socially distance. Be responsible. Think to yourself, you know, there may be non-essential businesses open, and you may want to partake in that, but we're all going to get through this quicker if we still stick to that credo of, I'm not going to be out just for the sake of being out. Uh, I'm not telling you not to go get a haircut if you need a haircut. I'm not telling you to go to the, not go to the gym if that's going to help with your mental health and you can do it responsibly and your gym has a good guidelines. But uh, just use some common sense. Be safe because uh, we can't afford to lose any podcast listeners. Yeah, what Rab said. Wash your damn hands. Wash your damn hands. And wash like your cowboy, ass. Like cowboy, like, like uh, hangman Adam Page said. <laughs> wash your hands, wash your ass, use some hand sanitizer. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us on uh, this episode of the R&D Project. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Catch your dream and shackle it to your We're so awful. Uh, so I got to bring the up. We're the worst. We, we are the worst. <laughs>